Good morning. I need to um, make a couple of corrections from last week. Uh, I don't remember if it was Don or Terry said I could spend half of the half of this week's um, message correcting what I said the week before on any given week, um, and that's true. But last week, if you remember, I introduced that next Sunday will be a missions focus Sunday, the 31st, and I missed, missed, misquoted the name of the organization. It is Greater Europe Missions. And um, I talked to Gene last week and he said, well, you, everything you said about it was absolutely correct, just the name was wrong. So it's Greater European Missions, G-E-M. And Gene sends his love and his appreciation in advance of the service next week. And he said he wished with all of his heart he could be here. But for, for financial reasons, he just can't. So I wanted to uh, bring that up. And also last week, I believe I made a misstep saying that it would be Moses and Elijah returning uh, when Christ comes again, it would be Enoch and Elijah. So I, I apologize for those uh, faux pas. <laughs> you can fire me, please, please. <laughs> that was the joke at work when we were, when somebody made a mistake, they'd say, so fire me, please get me out of this job. I'm just joking, believe me, I'm just joking. I love every one of you and I appreciate this opportunity to stand behind this very sacred desk, and I do treat it as such. In the book of Luke, we're not going to be reading from there this morning, <clears throat> chapter 4, Jesus was found in the temple, and he was handed a scroll, the scroll of Isaiah, and he began to read from the scroll of Isaiah, and that constituted his message. And we're going to do something similar to what Jesus did today. If you would turn to Psalms 107, we're going to be reading this chapter. We'll surely recognize many of the verses of scripture in this chapter, but some might surprise us. And that, that is one of the reasons I want to, uh, to read this. The other reason is the other morning, actually it was evening, excuse me, um, I was getting ready for bed, and the Lord dropped these two scriptures in my heart from Psalm 107. And when I went to study them, there was no place to stop. There was really no place to start and no place to stop. And I just felt like we're going to read these whole, this whole chapter, and I think that we'll be blessed and be the better for doing that, if you can bear with us this morning. Four times in this chapter of Psalm 107, the writer says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. A very famous Bible scholar, writer, and commentator, I know you've all heard of Matthew Henry, was born in Wales in 1662 and he died in 1714 
at the ripe old age of 52 years. And in that very, very short lifetime, he left a legacy for the Christian believers, the population of the Church of God, in writings to guide us and lead us and help us and interpret the Word of God. And I'm going to be referring to some of his uh, commentary this morning that he wrote on Psalm 107. And you can find this, if you want, on the internet at www.blueletterbible.com. And just search under commentary for Psalm 107 by Matthew Henry, and it will come right up. Or you can just ask me after service, and I'll be glad to make a copy for you. So with that said, Father, I ask you this morning to make your word come alive in our hearts, for this is what it was designed to do, to convince and to convict and to comfort and to do all those things, Lord, that the Holy Spirit's hand of inspiration upon the writers causes this word to do in us. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and an amen. And I'm going to read it out of my <clears throat> Bible this morning, but I need to get my notes first. <clears throat> How am I going to do this? <laughs> There's not very much room up here on this upper podium. So if you'll follow along with me. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and what? He delivered them out of their distresses, and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Obviously, this portion of the scripture is referring to the children of Israel and their wandering in the wilderness. But Matthew Henry says, you know, there, there are many people in distresses similar to this, wandering alone, lost and undone in this world that we live in today. And he said that we have to apply the things that are in this scripture to those people, to us if it is us who are wanderers, who are banished from our home or our homeland or, you know, any sort of thing like that and cry out, cry out, cry out unto the Lord. They were in the enemy's country. They were not even in their own country yet. They were in an alien population and they were, as, as the Bible says, solitary. They were like single. They didn't belong. They had no home. And yet, not by their power and not by anything they did, but by the Spirit of God 
working in the hearts of men, he led them through that wilderness and to a place of habitation where they were bewildered and had no road, not even a pathway. As you know, <clears throat> we've read and heard before that they were only about 40 miles from the promised land. Almost even I probably could navigate 40 miles. I may, maybe I might be speaking out of turn. I have no sense of direction. But the point is, you know, it wouldn't have taken much for them to have found their way and found their place to dwell in and find that city of habitation, but they could not without the hand of God, the providential hand of God leading them and guiding them. And the Bible says that they hungered and they thirsted and some hungered and thirsted after righteousness, but some hungered and thirsted in, in body, in physical hunger and thirst. But the Bible says that he shall abundantly replenish with goodness of his house, both in grace and glory. Amen. <clears throat> We're going to go on, verses 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Remember I said four times this scripture is written. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. You can see now the hunger is physical and the hunger is spiritual. But God had a plan for both, and he gave them physical food, and he gave them food for their soul to be satisfied. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God. They condemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor, and they fell down, and there was none to help them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. Again, then they cried unto the Lord, and he saved them out of their distresses, and he brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death, and he brake their bands in sunder or in half. We take notice of the goodness of God towards prisoners and captives. And herein lies the great mystery. Prisoners did something wrong for the most part, didn't they? Obviously, we know that there could be mistakes in the system and justice may not have been uh, correct and served well. And someone who didn't do anything could have been imprisoned and captive. But Matthew Henry is saying, even though this is much to their own fault, these prisoners and captives, yet the grace of God met them in their, in their captivity and released them from their bonds of their soul and connected them to him with his power. Prisoners are said to sit in a very dark place in verse 10, as we read, in dark dungeons. 
and they are desolate and disconsolate, cannot be consoled, and they sit in the shadow of death, which intimates that not only great distress and trouble, but danger, and prisoners are many times appointed to death. They sit despairing to get out, but resolving to make the best of it, and they are bound in affliction and many times in iron as Joseph was. Thus, thus sore a calamity, it, thus sore a calamity is imprisonment, which should make us prize liberty. This is why I read this paragraph, to prize liber, liberty and be thankful for it. Amen? This cause of this affliction, verse 11 tells us, it is because they rebelled against the very words of God. Willful, sinful rebellion against the words of God. And they discounted the counsel of the mighty Most High and thought they neither needed it nor could they be the better for it, that they could not be helped. It goes on to say that those that have exalted themselves have fallen down and there is none to help them. He brings down the pride, <clears throat> prideful. And let this bring down the spirit to confess. The point is, yes, he brings down the prideful so that from their spirit they can confess their wrong. They can confess, and I say they, I'm, I'm pointing fingers at me. I can be brought down and I can be made to confess and I can be made to be sorrowful, sorrowful for sin that I have done in my life. That is the plan of God to bring us back to his redemption. And we're going to go on with verses 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. <clears throat> for he has broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhors all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saves, saves them out of their distresses. He, the, he sent his word and healed them and he delivered them in their destructions, from their destructions, excuse me. These are the two scriptures, 19 and 20, that the Lord put in my spirit on, on Wednesday night, I believe it was. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses, and he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. He says that bodily sickness is another of the calamities of this life that we live in, which gives us an opportunity for experiencing the goodness of God in that he revives us, he recovers us, 
he brings us back to a place of health. That when we, by our sin, the sin of rejection of him, the sin of blatant disobedience of his word, whatever it might be, or the sin of partaking of something that destroys this health, that destroys this body. Verses 17 and 18 says, Fools, because of their transgressions and their iniquities, are afflicted, and their soul abhors all manner of meat, things that would be good for them, things that would bring strength and healing. They abhor it because of their transgression. If we knew no sin, we would know no sickness. This is what Matthew Henry says. It was the sin, the fall of man, the presence of sin in this world that brought about sickness. He says sinners are fools. They wrong themselves and they wrong all that are around them. And they endanger, they prejudice their bodily health by intemperance and endanger their lives by indulgence of appetites. This is their way, this is their folly, and it must be driven out to feel the presence of God. The weakness of the body is the effect of sickness and sin. When people are sick, their soul abhors all manner of meat. They not only have desire to eat anything that will give power to them, but it actually nauseates them, and their stomach turns against it. And here they may read that their sin and their punishment, those that doted most on the meat and the delicacies, they perish because they have, they have this desire for too much, and then they become sick of it, and those dainties become loathed. And they took too much of it, and now they can take nothing of it, which commonly follows upon the overcharging of the heart, the overindulgence of the heart, and the surfeiting and drunkenness. And when the appetite is gone, their very life is gone. And they draw near to the gates of death, as we read in this passage. He says, then is the proper time to pray. Then they cry unto the Lord in verse 19. Is any sick? Let him pray. Let him be prayed for, because prayer is a salve that heals every soul and every sore. And that it, that it is by the power and the mercy of God that when we are recovered from sickness, then it, it, it is our duty to be thankful. Amen? Amen. It's easy to just think, well, now I'm better. I'll just go on. But oh, thank you, Jesus, for your touch. Thank you, Jesus, for restoring health to our bodies. And we must return to God with that praise in our hearts. We're going to go on. Verses 21. <clears throat> oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare 
I think I skipped, and declare his works with rejoicing that they go down in the sea in the ships that do business in great waters. I'm going to read that verse 23 again. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and he raiseth the stormy winds, which lifts up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven and they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro, and they stagger like a drunken man, and they are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. Do you see a pattern here? <laughs> then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. I absolutely love this section. I'm going to read quite a little bit of um, the commentary from Matthew Henry here. He says, Much of the power of God throughout the scripture appears at times in the sea, as we read in verses 23 and 24. It appears to those that go down to the sea in ships as mariners, merchants, fishermen, or passengers. Those that do business in the great waters. The deep itself is a tremendous wonder. Its vastness, its saltness, not saltiness, but saltness. It's ebbing, ebbing and flowing. Let those that go to sea be led by all the wonders that they observe there to consider and to adore the infinite perfections that, of that God whose the sea is, for he made it and he manages it. It especially appears, the power of God especially appears in storms at sea. How dangerous and how dreadful is a tempest at sea. And yet God commands the very wind and the waves. He raises them and he calms them. And it fulfills his word as in Psalms 148, 8. He raises the air, but he is a, excuse me, I skipped a line. He raises the winds as a prince by his commission raises his military forces. Satan pretends to be the prince of the power of the air, but he is only a pretender. For the powers of the air are at God's command, not at his. And when the wind becomes stormy, it lifts up the waves of the sea, as in verse 25. And then the ships are kicked around like tennis balls on the tops of the waves. They seem to mount up to the heavens, and then they crouch down again as if they would go down to the depths. A stranger who had never seen it would not think it possible that a ship could live at sea as it will in a storm and ride it out. 
but would expect that the next wave would bury it and it would never come up again. And yet God, who taught man the discretion in how to make ships that should so strangely keep above the water, does by his special providence preserve them, that they answer the end to admiration of the maker of all things. Oh, I love that. How seasonable it is at such a time to pray. <laughs> you think you're in the middle of the ocean in a storm? I would certainly pray, yes. We have a saying. Again, this is Matthew Henry's words. Let those that would learn to pray go to sea. I say, let those that will go to sea learn to pray <laughs> and accustom themselves to prayer. How wonderfully God sometimes appears for those that are in the deepest distress at sea. In answer to their prayers, he brings them out of their danger and he calms the sea. He makes it still. And by this, Christ himself proved to be more than a man that even the winds and the waves obeyed him. And the seamen are made easy and they are glad for the quiet of the sea. The voyage becomes prosperous and successful. So he brings them into their desired haven. Thus he carries his people safely through all the storms and the tempests that they meet with their, in their voyage heavenward, and he lands them at length in the desired harbor. Oh, thank you, Jesus. All those who have been delivered from remarkable perils at sea should acknowledge it with great thankfulness to the glory of God. And the last section I believe here, we will read uh, verses 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turneth the rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground. Now hear this. He turns the rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry grounds, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. And yet he turneth the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into water springs. And there he maketh the hungry to dwell, that they may prepare a city for habitation. And sow the fields and plant the vineyards, which may yield fruits of increase. He blesses them also, so that they are multiplied greatly, and suffereth not for their cattle to decrease. And again, they are minished and brought low through opposite oppression 
affliction, and sorrow. And he pours contempt upon princes, and he causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet setteth he the poor on high from affliction, and maketh him families like a flock. And right, the righteous shall see it and rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. This section, Matthew Henry is calling the revolutions of providence. Fruitful countries are made barren, and barren countries are made fruitful. And much of the comfort of this life depends upon the soil in which our lot is cast. The sin of man has often marred the fruitfulness that God has provided of the soil, and they've made it unserviceable. Land watered with rivers is sometimes turned into a wilderness, and that which had been full of water springs now has not so much as a trickle. It is turned into dry and sandy ground that it has no consistency or moisture, not even enough to produce anything of value. Many a fruitful land is turned into saltness, not so much from natural causes, but from the just judgment of God, who thus punish the wicked of those that dwell in just as in the vale of Sodom, which became a salt sea. If the land be bad, it is because the inhabitants are so. Justly is the ground made unfruitful to those that bring not forth fruit unto God, but they serve Baal with their corn and their wine. This is a sobering uh, uh, passage of scripture for us, isn't it? It is a proclamation of both the blessing and the judgment of God upon a people, upon a country that would decimate his provision, his beauty, his soil even. The goodness of God has often mended the barrenness of the soil and turned a wilderness, a land of drought, into great springs of water. And he does it according to the people and their righteousness in the land. This is the word of the Lord, it's not mine. And he goes on to say, let the plantations in America, now remember this was written early 1700s, let the plantations of America and the colonies which have settled there compared with the desolations of many of the countries in Asia and Europe that formerly were great and famous, take note of this. Very, very sobering, isn't it? I'm going to stop there. I have a few more comments that he's that I thought were wonderful but I'm going to stop there and I'm going to pray
Will you stand with me, please? I hope this has blessed you. It did me. So we know that we've read in this chapter there are certain categories of people, those who've been banished or dispersed, those who have been captive or prisoners, the sick, and those who are at sea when they are in great distress or danger, even when they brought it upon themselves, should cry out to the Lord because the Bible says he delivers them from their, distress, their distresses. As I said, you may not have been physically captured, but your soul may be in captivity. Your very psyche might be in bondage or in prison. Maybe it was something that you did to yourself. Maybe it was something someone else did to you. But I want to tell you today that the Lord can deliver you from those bondages and set you free. Set you free spiritually and set you free physically. The word tells us to cry out, not to whimper, but to cry out loud to God because he is motivated by our need and he is moved by his love for us. Psalm 124 says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, then the waters, the proud waters, or those large waves would surely have overwhelmed us. Father, I thank you for leading us to this passage of scripture today. And oh God, I thank you for this precious, precious saint of God who wrote such beautiful commentary on this passage of scripture. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would prick the hearts of those who might be the captives, who might be the ones drowning in the sea of this life, who might be sick, oh God, of body or soul. Lord, and that you would talk to their heart, that you would let them know that you're listening. If they would just cry out, oh God, you are moved by our need and you are motivated, oh God, by your love for people. Oh, Father, I pray today that you would speak to hearts and cause them to be drawn to you. Lord, let us hear and know that there is a soul. The old song says, throw out the lifeline to those who might be drowning in the sea of life. Oh, God, reach out to them today and let them know of your love. Jesus, I pray that you would go with each one, especially be with our precious sister Watson today, Lord. God, I ask for divine strength, divine healing, O oh God. Your word says that you sent your word and healed them. It's easy for you to do, Lord Jesus. And we ask you today to have mercy and compassion upon our body, Lord, and give her relief. In Jesus' name, go with each and every one today, Lord. Walk before us, behind us, and above us and beside us, Lord, that we feel your presence day by day. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
Thank you for being here today.